0: You guys have heard me for a few weeks now talking about how amazing Sonos is. And I'm telling you, I'm someone who's like, I don't think Sonos could be doing a better job with their products. Well, guess what? They just released a new one. The Sonos one makes it even better. It hooks up with the Amazon Alexa. You can now talk to your Sonos, say, turn the volume up or start playing it in the bedroom. I'm about to walk into the bedroom. So turn it on in the bedroom too. I want to be listening to this song there. And it's great. And I love it. And now for a limited time, Sonos is offering the listeners a beautiful anonymous 10% off. One order. You want to spend $2,500 or less, you're going to get 10% off any product, Sonos.com. Use the promo code STORIES10, that's capital S-T-O-R-I-E-S-1-0, at Sonos.com, 10% off. You get the offer going, I'm telling you, you're going to love these speakers. wanted to tell you about another really great show here at Earwolf. It's Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. Everybody knows Gilbert Gottfried. A, the guy's an icon. As a comedian, everybody loves it. Gilbert, right? You know him. there's a lot of mainstream right. We're talking Aladdin, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Problem Child, Affleck, telling the aristocrats joke. Gilbert's podcast is great. Brings celebrities like Weird Out, Judd Apatel, Ira Glass onto the podcast, talks about show business, legends, old horror movies, folklore, dirty jokes, stories from the road. Also there's a documentary called Gilbert about his life. It's in Select Theaters now. You can check out new episodes of Gilbert Godfrey's Amazing Colossal Podcast every Monday, wherever you listen, Stitcher, Apple Podcast. Earwolf.com. Enjoy it. Hello to all my dung fungies. It's beautiful, anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more
1: fun. And I'll get to know you. And you'll get to know me.
0: Hey everybody it's chris gethard here hello welcome another episode of beautiful anonymous is upon us and i feel so very lucky about that i always say it i feel very lucky that i stumbled into this idea that you guys all support it and this is such a big part of my life thank you a thousand times thank you for supporting it thanks to everybody supporting the chris gethard show on true tv it really means a lot uh, that you guys support the show we're coming up on the end of the season so uh Yeah, last week I uh, spent the whole episode getting beat up by uh, jujitsu guys, and it was really fun, and I'm lucky to live this life that I live, and you guys support that life, and thank you for that. Also, want to put this out here. um, So many people were so kind about Career Suicide, which was the HBO special I did a few months back. The album of Career Suicide just came out this week, and I'm very proud of it. And uh, a lot of of the beautiful Anonymous fans, uh, you guys have actually – been some of the biggest champions of that special. So I wanted to let you know it's out there. It's it, You can get it digitally. If you want to download it, you can find it at com or on iTunes and all those things. And if you want a collector's item, we're selling it on vinyl, purple vinyl, two discs, double vinyl, cool art by my friend Diana, who's also done a bunch of the beautiful anonymous art over the years. And uh, yeah, just a cool thing to put out there. All right. Last week's episode, I talked to a, uh, a, a, a young folk singer, it's part of the moravian faith a lot of people were fascinated by the moravian faith it was cool in the facebook group beautiful Anonymous, the community we saw a lot of people there were many people going uh, i am moravian or people saying i live among moravians and i am shocked to hear any reference to moravians in anything in the pop culture sphere cool it was very interesting to read a lot of people talking about it from the uh, the inside perspective that was cool also a lot of people from the uh, A lot of people telling me that in the singer-songwriter world that playing three hours in a winery is not unusual at all. And I find that uh, impressive and shocking. As a performer myself, the idea that I would perform for three hours ever, let alone in a winery, that sounds like so much heavy lifting and so difficult. So kudos to you, singer-songwriters, for all your hard work in the wineries across this world. Thank you for that. Okay. This week's episode, I'm excited about it. One of my absolute favorite things in this world is anytime, not just on the podcast, anytime I meet somebody who does something very specific with their life, who's willing to fill me in on it. I always think that's the most fascinating thing in the world. There's all these people, there's all these different things you can do that I'll never get to do. We're gonna talk to a scientist. We're gonna talk to a lady who's a scientist, but who's also very into her chosen field and very into a a, a wing of science that's very specific, this was one that when we had this call, I immediately, uh, I talked to my wife a few minutes afterwards. I called my wife and I was like, I just had a beautiful and honest call and you're gonna love it. Because my wife, loves, anytime someone gets really nerdy and specific about some science thing, my wife loves it. And I think a lot of us out there are like that. And I think podcast fans in particular are particularly built to, oh, you wanna spend an hour telling me about something ultra specific? Yeah, I'll listen to that. This is a uh, young lady who's very charming, and very energetic and very nerdy about fossils and rocks and all sorts of other geeky things. And I loved it. And you will. I, I'm also, I bet a lot of you guys are going, well, if it's about science, why is the word splooge in the title? Gethard, keep listening and you'll find out. Enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A
1: beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host.
0: Hello? Hello? Hi.
2: Hi, is this Chris? It is. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. Well, I have to say, I'm, uh, I'm glad there was a, a lag time so I could chill out a little bit.
0: <laughs> oh, there's no need. Why would you need to chill? I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot from New Jersey. There's no need to <laughs> chill.
2: Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm talking to Chris Gethard. I've been listening to you for a, a long time now. This is really cool.
0: Well, that's nice, and thank you for listening, and it means a lot.
2: <laughs> well, how's your day going? Uh, It's
0: good. Today is good. If you ask me how my week or my month is going, I'd say it's full of nothing but stress and fear. But that's okay. I think that's pretty on brand for me, so no one's too surprised by that.
2: Is your TV show is still giving you a little bit of stress
0: Oh you have no idea oh, you have no idea and my life is very good I can't I'm not I don't want to sit here moaning about having a TV show but uh it's also i'm not I'm not necessarily built for pressure there's a lot of people's jobs on the line got to try to get this thing picked up and the numbers are heading in the wrong direction never good <laughs> maybe who knows maybe picked you up know. or canceled by the time the world hears here's this.
2: Well, I've been, I, I want to watch the show. I really do, but I, I refuse to pay for cable.
0: Okay, cord cutter.
2: I refuse to pay for cable. What about so, iTunes? What about I, iTunes? i was hoping that.
0: What, you, what about I do I,
2: have iTunes.
0: Yeah, you get it on iTunes or, or uh, Hulu, Hulu Plus in a bunch of ways.
2: Oh, it's on Hulu Plus? I only yeah. have regular Hulu.
0: Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh,
2: so I have to admit you uh I'm super jealous of you because you live in my favorite place on earth.
0: Queens. New York City. Oh, New York in general. Yeah. Well
2: not yeah, not specifically Queens maybe, but uh <laughs> I spent eight weeks in New York and it was a very fond time in my life.
0: Oh, when was that? What year? <laughs>
2: Uh, 2015.
0: 2015, eight weeks in New York. What brought you to New York for eight weeks?
2: Well, I was an undergraduate majoring in geology.
0: Geology? The study of and, rocks. Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. I actually did graduate, so I, that's, I guess that's technically my title as of now. I'm a geologist.
0: I'm talking to a bona fide geologist.
2: But,
0: yeah. <laughs> wow. Never met a geologist.
2: Uh, we're more common than you think. You just need to go to the pub.
0: The pub. Where are these geologist <laughs> pubs that I've been missing out on?
2: <laughs> well, the, the stereotype is that we drink a lot of beer. I mean, at the uh, at, I oh, went I to the it. annual meeting.
0: I missed the gag. last
2: year. That it's called right. So GSA every year. It's the Geological Society of America. It, last year it was in Denver, and there was I mean it was sponsored by a brewery.
0: So geologists like to to get together and just get hammered?
2: Yeah, that's half the job. I mean, we really just get paid to drink beer and hike.
0: What? What are you talking about? (laughs) Aren't you supposed to be working hard to study the shifting tectonic plates of the earth and predicting our ecological future?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm teasing. But, uh, yeah, that's our stereotype. We're always drinking beer. But, no... uh, I had taken um, a paleontology class that had really sparked my interest, so I applied to be a paleontology intern at the American Museum of Natural History there in Manhattan. Oh! And
0: they
2: actually hired me, which was awesome. So I got to go and hang out there for eight weeks.
0: That's awesome. That's a great museum.
2: Yeah, it was it was a blast, and I absolutely fell in love with the city. I would go and work there and live there for forever if they would have me.
0: Is there a big geology scene in New York?
2: You know, uh, well, you got AM&H, and and that's where Neil deGrasse Tyson is. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm.
2: Uh, Which I have a really funny story about Neil deGrasse Tyson, if you want to hear that. I
0: do want to hear it, and I love the name drop.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, he uh, he runs the Hayden Planetary, Hayden? Planetarium there, and every summer because they hire a bunch of interns every summer, all of their different departments. So he will throw a party um, in his office space in Hayden Planetarium.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was sitting in my office one day working, working away, and uh, somebody just knocked on the door, and they were like, "Hey, do you want to go to Neil deGrasse Tyson's party tonight?" And I was like, "Absolutely!" <laughs> wow. Absolutely, I want to go party with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, so I, I we got off work, and there were I worked with five other kids, some graduate students, some undergraduate students, but we all went, and uh, we had to go through one of the cool things about the museum is there are a bunch of hidden like hallways and all of the collection spaces behind the scenes. And uh, it started out as one building, and they've built all of these different buildings onto it over the year. I think it's up to, like, 28 different buildings. It's massive. But in constructing this massive museum, all of these strange pathways ended up being built. So we had to go behind the scenes go this really odd way to the planetarium. We rode this secret staff elevator only up and the doors opened and Neil deGrasse Tyson was sitting there just talking. And it, like, it was, my mind was blown. <laughs> uh, we were, we were super excited, but uh, I actually, I got to talk to him one-on-one and he told me a really hilarious story about how he was uh, the keynote Speaker for the, uh, what's it called? It's like a, a giant science fair uh, in Washington, D.C., and all of these really smart kids come and compete, and Congress, like all the members of the House and the Senate come, and they interact with these kids, and it's, it's a really prestigious big deal. And he was the keynote speaker this year, and he said that one of the kids that placed really high, he was going to give a speech to all the parents and all the members of Congress. And he had on a tie that said Harvard on it. And uh, he said that at the end of his, his keynote speech, he called this kid up. Keep in mind, they're talking in front of, you know, all of Congress, all of these kids' parents. And he goes, son, I, wanted, I want you to tell me why you have on a tie that says Harvard And the kid goes, well, uh, I I hope to attend Harvard when I'm finished with high school. And uh, he said, "Uh, I I really don't think that's why you have on a tie that says Harvard. I think you have on a tie that says Harvard because you're wanting to ride on the coattails of people who have already attended and achieved great things. And then he took the tie off the kid in front of all of. Congress and all these parents, and he said, I still have the tie at my house.
0: That just sounds like Neil deGrasse Tyson being mean to a child.
2: <laughs> it Well, it was, uh, maybe I made it sound like he was being, I mean, he did kind of rip this kid's ass in front of all of Congress, sorry, Sally, <laughs> but...
0: Um, <laughs> Why is he ripping ass? Why is he ripping this kid's ass in front of Congress? He really Gillibrand. isn't a
2: mean guy, though. Chuck Schumer. He, was, he wasn't a mean guy. He was very nice. No, he I'm sure. He was very nice. And he gave me, he autographed a wine bottle for me.
0: So no. It's it sits country.
2: on top of my fridge.
0: I'm sure when he said it, it was meant to be achieve your own things. Don't fall into the reputation of some institution when you should be focusing on making your own mark in this world. I'm sure that was the message.
2: That is precisely the message that I missed because the conversation that that story fell into was a conversation that we were having about uh, the fact that you can obtain an excellent education at a small university and you don't necessarily have to attend an Ivy league in order to achieve greatness.
0: Boom. There you go. Tyson. (laughs) I got a pal who runs the sleepover program at that museum, natural history museum, my friend. Runs a pro. They run have like sleepovers, like Night at the Museum type stuff.
2: Yeah, I really wanted to do that while I was there, but they didn't have one.
0: My pal Pierce. It sounds like runs a Runs the program, or did at least a while ago. I think still does. Who knew that Neil deGrasse Tyson kind of a bully? Who knew?
2: <laughs> super super nice guy though. He probably yeah. would not remember me at all if you were to see me again because I was. Two years ago, and I'm just some kid. But
0: now, how what what do you do when you say you're a geologist? What do you do now? This is one of these degrees that I know is an important thing, but what does one actually do with a geology degree?
2: Well, I graduated with my bachelor of science in geology, and uh, while I was at my undergraduate institution, I studied under someone who does. Um, it's called palynology, Pal-ology. and the principle of that. Subfield of geology is studying fossilized pollen and other microfossils, Um, and what we did in her lab was we would go out and sample different rocks and process the material, and then we study these fossilized pollen and spores, and we can actually reconstruct past environmental changes in regional areas.
0: You gotta slow down the adrenaline rush I'm getting from this is I can't handle it.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna I'm trying to be very careful because one of the things that really peased me when people talk about science is using a bunch of jargon and these wild terms that nobody knows what they're talking about. And uh, science communication is something I'm very passionate about, so I'm going to try to keep it simple and not no, do that thing that that's I That's
0: nice, yeah. And I was just ribbing you. <laughs> I think this this will probably be my father's favorite episode. My father has a PhD in environmental <laughs> science. Oh wow! Yeah,
2: very nice. Is he a professor?
0: He's not. He was. It, was, it was funny. My dad, when he was working his whole life, he worked. You know, he worked in uh, pharmaceuticals. He's never stopped going to school. He's a big nerd. He loves school. He's got like an MBA. He got he eventually got a doctorate from uh, NJIT and uh, just has a doctorate now. He talks sometimes about maybe becoming a professor, but he's retired. I think he's really enjoying the retired life, but he has the doctorate. Guy loves water talk to you about water treatment all day long. I'll ask him about water treatment. He'll be like, you don't really want to hear about this. And then I'll talk about it for 40 minutes. I love it so much.
2: That's awesome. No, I I originally thought that I wanted to major in environmental science going into my undergrad. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I had a geologist talk me out of it and pull Mm -hmm. me into the dark side.
0: The dark side. So policy. So so you work in a, you work with a, a professor how do i didn't know pollen you find
2: fossilized pollen yeah so uh how do they it only that is preserved. it's preserved <sighs> somebody with a microscope someday <laughs> <sighs> no it's only in uh, soft rock sedimentary rocks once you, you go into the rocks that have been metamorphosed or igneous rocks you don't get pollen there because it's been cooked out by that point but uh yeah. yeah. Now, and soft sedimentary rocks, we can get it out.
0: Sure. And sedimentary rocks, if I remember my my basic grade school introduction to this, those are rocks that become kind of like layered and pressurized and that's how they become rocks, right? Is it's other things kind of smashed together through pressure over time? Am I right on that in the basic level?
2: You- you're, th- you're thinking about metamorphic
0: rock. That's metamorphic rock. Okay, so then igneous, igneous yeah. comes straight out the volcano. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, I nailed that. Nailed that shit. Yeah. So what's sediment- sedimentary? Uh, so I was thinking of metamorphosize. Okay, so what's sedimentary again?
2: Sedimentary rocks are things that are deposited, like, on the ocean floor or in river deltas. Um Maybe, how can I explain this? Uh, (laughs) You've got uh, sediment coming down off of a mountain from erosion. You know, the mountain's constantly getting beaten down by the sun and wind and rain. So tiny bits of rock flow down off the mountain and they're deposited in some lake or some valley, some basin.
0: I really appreciate your so that's effort. that's how
2: you get a sedimentary rock.
0: I love it. I love that you're explaining it in layman's terms. And I also love that you're like he- hearing me now, hearing the slight Jersey accent. You've listened to me for a year or so. And I really do appreciate that you're like, I get, I've, I, I've come to know Chris over time. Reasonably smart guy. Also can feel him being dumb. Can feel him being dumb right now. <laughs> At what level do I need this to land? So he gets it. And I appreciate that.
2: Well, no, something that drives me nuts, um, like my number one pet peeve about being a scientist, because I'm a graduate student now. I go to a different school. I'm working on a master's degree.
0: In, in polynology? Um, uh,
2: Yes. I, that's part of it. I'm actually in a paleolimnology lab now. Paleo-limnology. And what we do is we go and we take all of our fancy tools and equipment and we go to really remote lake systems or wetlands um, like in the East African Rift Valley or Pontanal or the high Eastern Sierra, and we take sediment cores from lake bottoms. Yeah. So, yeah, and we, uh, instead of just going out and studying a rock face, we actually study the, the sediments that have been left at the bottom of the lake. So what well, what I'm planning to do with that for my master's degree is I'm going to get a sediment core from a lake and the uh, high eastern Sierra. And I'm going to do a pollen analysis through the last 20,000 years or so and pair that with a geochemical analysis and observe environmental change in the high eastern Sierra through time, which is important because high eastern Sierra snowpack. Is like the water source for California.
0: And you're doing that? Um, and you know. What's the timeline oh, on go that? Ahead. Yeah. What, when are you doing this? When are you ex- well, the, extracting this core? In May. In May. Of next year. Well, Thor Ragnarok's mm-hmm. coming out soon, so we all got stuff we're excited about. I got things I'm doing that I'm excited <laughs> about too.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm excited about that project because uh, I'll be able to observe. Environmental change in the high Eastern Sierra for the last twenty thousand years. Pair that with geochemistry, and then what we aim to do with this data is there are really really smart people who make climate models that predict ecological response to um, basically human input.
1: Oh wow! Like
2: increased levels of CO two. Right. So like increased levels of CO2, all of the, the things that humans have done since our short time on Earth. Wow. And uh, they, they, they pair paleo, what we call paleoclimatic data, and they use it to predict how things might change given the current trends of human environmental impact.
0: So you, you basically take a big chunk of rock out of a lake bed. You look at it, and you're able to analyze twenty thousand years and the rates at what thing, which things happen, things that happen naturally that came and went over time, and then you can look at it and you can go, and then humans invented aerosol cans, and we, and then things <laughs> went nuts. You can you can see that. So you look at the past and sort of chart how things went over long spans of time, and that helps provide uh, a baseline of information for the people studying how out of control things are getting now. Right. Damn. How screwed are we? Are we really screwed? Well, I think that's the question we all wanna ask, right? A nice casual, how much is the earth dying? Something to think about. But you know, before the earth dies, you're living a life. Your life probably needs products, probably needs services. And luckily we got advertised bringing bring those things to you. That's a segue right there, baby. Anyway, enjoy these words from our advertisers. They help us bring you the show for free. We'll be back after this with more phone call. Recently, I have had the opportunity to use HelloFresh, and I do not know why I waited for so long. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service. It shops, plans, delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. With HelloFresh, all the ingredients are delivered right to your door in recyclable, insulated packaging. They come pre-measured and handy labeled meal kits, so you know which ingredients go with which recipe. This is a very good thing. It's a very organized system where you're not sorting out all sorts of stuff on your own. Really loved that aspect of it. And HelloFresh offers a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly. We're talking about the classic plan, wide variety of meat, fish, seasonal produce, the veggie plan, which I use, vegetarian recipes with plant-based proteins, family plan, quick, easy meals for the whole family. Family's gonna love them. And better yet, you can choose a delivery day that works best for your busy schedule. You can pause your account for weeks at a time. Very, very simple. You know what I like? HelloFresh makes it very easy to cook delicious, balanced dinners, and it's for less than 10 bucks a meal. That's no joke. I run around a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who you you got these busy lives. You don't always know exactly when you're gonna be home. HelloFresh makes it very easy to cook at home and it's not time consuming. My wife and I, we actually cooked them with friends. We had friends, uh, we all met up and we we said, let's just all get together and cook at home. And we actually made a night out of it. We cooked two or three HelloFreshes. We ate them and it was like a good social experience. It was a really genuinely good experience. Time for $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, Visit HelloFresh.com. Enter the promo code Stories30. That's S T O R I E S 3 0 at HelloFresh.com. You get 30 bucks off. You're gonna love it. Support for today's show and the following message comes from Audible. Get an exclusive collection of listens from renowned relationship expert Esther Perel free with a trial Audible membership. This collection includes her new audiobook, The State of Affairs, which will have you rethinking infidelity. Plus, Seasons one and two of her groundbreaking series, Where Should We Begin?, which Vogue calls provocative, intriguing, and insightful all at once. It's all up there. You want to start your free trial? Visit audible.com slash esther. That's E-S-T-H-E-R. That's audible.com slash esther. Start your free trial of Audible. Get access to this exclusive collection. Thanks so much again to the sponsors who helped make this show happen. If you hear anything that might help your life out, please do use the promo code to help the show. In the meantime, let's get back to this phone call. How screwed are we? Are we really screwed?
2: Um, Okay, I have, uh, as far as like, I don't like to call it global warming because I think that that is a misleading term because the earth isn't just warming. We're seeing lots of different, Extremes that we've never seen before, and climate changing in other ways than just getting hotter. So, I, I, I strictly call it climate change, but um, it's, it's a different opinion that I carry. See, the, the Earth will be fine without us. It's, uh, it, it's gone through six mass extinctions. Well, five we We're in the sixth mass extinction in geological history. It's, it, I mean, the Earth has seen some shit. Sorry, Sally.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, sorry, Aunt Karen, too. And My aunt, <laughs> If I can interrupt for a second. My Aunt Karen recently told me she was listening to the show on a speaker on her deck, and I was being very potty-mouthed, and her neighbor heard it. And I want to say not just sorry to Sally, but sorry to Aunt Karen as well. Anyway, so sorry. So this is a terrifying. I said, "How screwed are but You gave a terrifying answer. Your answer was, "The Earth will be fine," but it sounds like you are saying that we might be leading to our own extinction as a as a species.
2: Right. So oh. I mean, that's that's essentially what's going to happen.
0: Wow, you're awfully cash about I it. I
2: mean, well, when you have to think daily basis, my my line of work, I think on multi billion. Your scales you kind of get casual about it right, right. <laughs> but um, what frustrates me the most is uh, people who don't necessarily agree with conservation efforts and doing our best to reduce co2 emissions and doing what we can to preserve our natural resources blah 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 the left wing tree hugger stuff that we should all try to participate in <laughs> but people who don't agree with that stuff stuff. And they, they cheer for things like Trump rolling back environmental regulations. They cheer for stuff like that. So what frustrates me is that they don't understand that efforts to preserve our environment are completely self-serving. It's not right. because we, you know, we want to go out and we want to hug trees and protect the fishies and swim in the creek. It's because if we don't do something... If we don't change the way that we operate, if we don't reduce our emissions, if we don't take a better care of our planet, we are going to die. It's not the planet. The planet will be fine. It's us.
0: Do they have any guesstimates on when we're wiping ourselves out? How many? Because uh, you said you look at the the billions of years scale. But this thing's hitting a fever pitch. You know, it's tough to... Because I, I do remember, like, people, you know, there's... A, I always feel like there's a thing... That it's talked about a little bit, but we don't talk about it enough, which is like when it comes to like weather and when it comes to stuff like that, I feel like that's one of the things that the news gets alarmist about and ratings on. Cause I remember when I was a kid in the 80s, it was acid rain. The rain's gonna burn our skin when it falls. It's acid rain. Yeah. And maybe sometimes people are so used to like, oh yeah, they always shove this stuff down our throat. Maybe that's where some of this denial comes from. But it's, this this is clearly this is clearly true. You got a sense of uh you got to, how much time we got left? We got a hundred years before we really blow it we Got 500 years. When do we blow well, this one?
2: If you look at the models that are predicting, see one of the big problems that it's not just um, the wor- the earth getting warmer. That is an issue, right? There are other things that are an issue like the acidity in the ocean mm-hmm. getting out of control. Mm-hmm. Because it's a huge sink for CO two. The more CO two we release into the atmosphere, the more CO two is observed, is absorbed into the ocean. The pH rises. I won't go into ocean chemistry, but anyway, oh, Ken, the Gethard, Ken Gethard. Ken Gethard is slipping
0: out. You just said pH of the ocean. You know, my father has <laughs> a patent. You know, my father has a patent on a desalination device. Oh wow, that's impressive. One of the big issues with it, he's told me about though, is you can remove salt from salt water but then where do you put the salt where do you do with it and i think this is the type of thing you're talking about yeah who knows so the as- but, uh, acidic it, uh, levels of the ocean are get messed up on top of the warmer stuff what else right. what else what are the other things that are we're not always talking about
2: well where i was going with the uh, the ocean ph issue i mean the models are saying that by the year 2100 the oceans are going to be so acidic that a lot of the the critters that live in the ocean that build calcite and aragonite shells aren't going to be able to live.
0: And then the things that eat them can't live. And then the things that drag them out of the water and eat those things can't live. And those are the things we eat. So we can't live.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're looking at a, you're looking at a, a, a complex issue there. It's, and by if the models are correct by 2100 which i mean very smart people who are very good at math do those models so you know my money's on them
0: yeah and when you say we're in the middle of the sixth extinction i have heard this before what exactly is that just the the rate at which species are dying out qualifies it as a mass extinction right wow simple that's just a simple yeah. yes we're,
2: Mhm. And we've recently uh, entered, because all of geologic time, each era, period, system, whatever, has its own name, but we've recently entered what geologists are now referring to as the Anthropocene, which means the era of humans.
0: The era. We're just entering the era and, of humans now. Mhm. So that means we've kind of just established our foothold where we're truly dominant on Earth.
2: Yeah. I mean, before that we were in the Holocene. Now we've transitioned. In the. And I mean, I'm sure that if you talk to some geologists, they would probably push the start of the Anthropocene a couple thousand years back. But I mean, in the last, I mean, since the Industrial Revolution, you know, we've, that's really when we've kind of started to screw things up. I mean, all of this has happened so quickly. One of my favorite analogies is the, the toilet paper roll analogy when talking about geologic time, because the Earth has been in existence for 4.56 billion years. And if you were to roll out, I think it's two and a half rolls of toilet paper, the human population would take up a centimeter of the last yeah. sheet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was in L.A. So
2: it's happening really quickly.
0: I was in L.A. I went to the tar pits, and they had a big chart on a wall that showed exactly what you're talking about. The drop in the water that is humanity.
2: Yeah.
0: Wow. This well, is... this is getting depressing. Well, it is, but that's life, right? A constant <laughs> slog to yeah. find happiness before we punch too many holes in the uh, atmosphere, and then we all got to beg Elon Musk for a seat on the Mars or flight. And I beg him, and then we just leave this to the robots we build, so they can tell our story.
2: Well, Elon Musk, I, I'm sorry, I don't think he's ever going to make it to Mars.
0: Who oh, no. knows? I mean, he's he's trying to get people to sign yeah. up to die on Mars, right? You're not coming back.
2: <laughs> oh, God, bless his heart.
0: You do. You're a fan. You're a fan of what he's going for.
2: I mean, I am a, I am a fan. I think he, he's a very smart guy and what he's doing is admirable, but I don't think that he's ever going to, uh, he's ever going to make it to Mars. And I'll tell you why, because, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, oddly enough, <laughs> I was listening to him on a Katie Kirk po- podcast, uh, Katie Kirk show or whatever it's called. And they were talking about Elon Musk and he made a really good point when he says, you know Elon goes into a meeting asks for billions of dollars to put people on Mars and the investors are like well why do you want to do this it's like we, just to see if we can <laughs> and nobody's going to provide that amount of money for just to see if we can
1: okay. but on the
2: other hand NASA is a governmental organization we have more of a it would be more of a benefit for the federal government to find out whether or not people can be on Mars, right?
0: Sure. We're going to colonize it. You're saying the government should figure out if this is doable.
2: Well, I think that they would be more likely to get the money to do it. (laughs) Yeah. Before Elon would. You've now
0: slammed, you you, you besmirched the name of Neil deGrasse Tyson. You've slammed Elon Musk. (laughs) You love rocks and you hate space. That's what I'm learning.
2: <laughs>
0: you love Roxy. I no, hate space, is, space.
2: Space is good. We need, we need scientists in all areas of life. Space is good. Now, I'll just stick to the earth.
0: Here's a question. Are there any scientists that you respect who aren't being paid off by corporate interests who disagree with any of the climate stuff? Not that I am aware of. Wow. A universal across the board. Anybody who's not taking money to say otherwise is saying, we got to stop.
2: Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's been my experience. I've been to multiple international meetings. Uh, I've met with some of the brightest people in earth science. And I mean, that is the consensus. We've got to do something.
0: Now, when you say we've got to do something, I don't know if this is your area expertise. You seem like you like getting into the lab, looking at the rocks. Are there simple things we can do? Like there's things we don't realize. Like here's one thing I learned a few years ago that I was pretty shocked by is like bottled water, huge, huge negative impact on the environment, bottled water. Most of us drink it every day because what we don't think about, it's not just the plastic production. It's that you have a faucet at home You could drink from that. You like the bottled water. Well, not only does that create plastic, you also have to transport that. So now we're using up tons of fossil fuels to get that stuff into crates and on ships, and all those emissions from that gas are totally unnecessary when you think about it. You just drink tap water. That's like a thing I'd never think about, which was explained to me, and I said, ah, I get it now.
2: Yeah, I mean, little little life changes like that, I mean, eating, Not even cutting out meat, but eating less meat because so many greenhouse gases are created and emitted by animal, industrial animal farming. Um, They're just driving an economy-sized car. There are so many small life changes that each of us could make in order to help and to make a difference.
0: So that thing about Um, the cows is true. Because the the layman's terms I've heard is that basically people say these big cattle farms— if you look at the ozone layer above them, they're thinner because cows fart all the time and it creates clouds of methane gas. That's the uneducated version I've heard. How true is this cow's farting problem? It's true, It's 100% true. (laughs) That's it, cow farts? Cow farts are as big an issue as I've heard? I mean,
2: yes, they are, they're a huge issue. There's actually a good documentary on Netflix called Cowspiracy. (laughs)
0: Really, and it's good. It has a name like Cowspiracy, and you're saying as a scientist, you give the thumbs up. That's an unfortunate name they picked, huh?
2: It's catchy. It'll get people to watch.
0: Cowspiracy, worth watching.
2: Yes, I do recommend Cowspiracy.
0: Now, I also heard, is it true that they've recently found there's a certain type of seaweed that stops cows from farting? I'm not sure about that. I just read about that on Reddit. I'm not a heart expert. Read about that on Reddit, mm-hmm. a website that you can always uh, reliably trust as fact. Reddit.
2: Yeah, Reddit is a slippery slope. Oh,
0: you're telling me everybody's got a goddamn opinion. Everybody on Facebook and Reddit and Twitter <laughs> got a goddamn opinion to tell you how bad your TV show is. But that's another story <laughs> for another day story for another day don't
2: don't let him tell you that your tv show is bad i guarantee you it's not bad
0: well you haven't even seen it
2: i haven't even seen it A
0: cord cutter a bookish cord you cutter. Mean,
2: didn't you have you had method man on we not did. too long ago didn't you we did have
0: method man on he was the
2: it can't be best. a bad show if you've got method man coming on the yeah,
0: show he was the coolest he got high with about 15 of my writers it was awesome i wasn't there <laughs> i wasn't there it was awesome now how does the fact that you've trained your brain to think in terms of not thousands not millions but billions of years does that affect your personal life at all do you see things a little differently than the rest of us
2: uh, i mean no I'm, i go to school slash work and i'm a scientist but then i come home and i'm a just regular per I mean, I guess I do think about that stuff more often than most people. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I'm a pretty normal cat.
0: Normal cat. So you don't sit around thinking about, if I reproduce someday, it's X amount of generations before the ocean is pure acid and everything's screwed? You don't, you don't sit and think in terms of that?
2: I won't lie. I have had that exact thought. <laughs> Nailed but I don't it. dwell on it. <laughs> Get
0: through strikes again. Get through strikes again. Wow. So you do. You've had that thought and you just kind of have to shut off your brain and remember, I also have to live for the now with what we've got or else I'll go insane. Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. I've, I, t- I try to leave the, the climate science at school and work. Yeah. And come home and be a normal person.
0: Yeah. Here's another question. What's the coolest thing you ever found in a rock?
2: Uh, I got really obsessed when I was an undergrad with finding <laughs> this dung fungi in my samples called Sporomiella.
0: Dung fungi. And the
2: reason I got really, yes, fungi that grows on poop. Now, there's a reason that I was super intrigued by this fungi. And it's because when you find it in a palynological sample, it is indicative that there were large herbivores in the area during the time of deposition. Mm-hmm. So you can use these dung fungi abundances in your pollen samples to kind of tease out what kind or how many large animals were roaming in that area, like mammoths or whatever. And I just thought that that was so cool. And then- I was hooked on I did a term paper on it and everything.
0: Wow. And then do you coordinate with your peers who are in paleontology and say, hey, you're going to want to focus in on this area to look for fossils of uh, mammoths and mastodons and those big horses they used to have that were 80 feet tall. Do you tell them to focus in there? Is there communication?
2: But, uh, or do they know? Not they not really know. Now, how would you no, feel if are. I told
0: you this is by far the nerdiest episode of Beautiful Anonymous that's ever happened?
2: I self-identify as a nerd, so that's okay. Oh, you,
0: you, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna say something a little harsh. You better self-identify as a nerd, because if you didn't, the world (laughs) would identify you for you. As soon as you said the phrase "dung fungi," you don't have a choice in this. You don't. I'm glad you're self-aware. But yeah, once we sit, I was on the I was on the fence. I was like, is this the nerdiest conversation I've ever had? And then I heard the phrase dung fungi and I said, "Yes, it is." And I own over 10,000 comic books. I've had some nerdy conversations. I used to have the Star Wars encyclopedia memorized in high school. Had some big time nerdy conversations. This takes the cake. Dung fungi.
2: Yeah, I mean if my boyfriend pulls up and comes home, I can put him on the line and he can talk about Godzilla if you want to get really nerdy.
0: Now what's he do?
2: <laughs> he's also a geologist.
0: He is, but he loves Godzilla.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That so when he finds evidence. He of, does. When he finds evidence of dinosaurs, does he just freak out?
2: <laughs> no, he's not really into paleontology. He's not sure what he wants to specialize yet specialize in, yet he's still doing his undergraduate degree.
0: Yeah, this is awesome. You live in a whole different world than I do. The things you have to think about.
2: <laughs> uh, the You might find the story and uh, behind how I actually met this guy pretty intriguing. Okay. If you want to hear that. Uh, I'm sure I'll be judged incredibly hard for this, but
0: Oh, this this sounds like it has potential. Interesting story about meeting one's significant other. Always goes well. We'll hear that story and so much more when we come back. In the meantime, we got our sponsors. Help us bring you the show for free. Listen to what they have to say. Use the promo codes if you like them. We'll be right back. Imagine if John Lennon could give you life advice. Well, he can. In Questions for Lennon, the Stitcher Premium Series is back. For season four. If you have not heard previous seasons of the show, John Lennon's played by Mike Hanford. Really hilarious. I did an episode of Comedy Bang Bang once. Earwolf fans might remember I was in there with John Lennon, played by Mike Hanford, and it was bizarre and hilarious. And on this podcast, he answers questions sent in by listeners. Guess what? Scott stops by this season. So does Betsy Sedardo, Paul Rust, Aaron Whitehead, Darcy Cardin, my old pal Darcy, Paul F. Tompkins, a lot of the Earwolf people that everyone knows and loves are going to be there. Check it out. Listen to questions for Lennon on Stitcher Premium. For a free month, you go to stitcherpremium.com slash Lennon. Use the promo code STORIES. Thanks again to all of our advertisers. Now, let's finish off the phone call.
2: The story and uh, behind how I actually met this guy, pretty intriguing. Okay. If you want to hear that. Uh, I'm sure I'll be judged incredibly hard for this, but... Uh, we were doing our undergraduate degree together, and I had been in the program for a couple of years. I'm, we met when I was a senior, or no, a junior, and uh, he came into the program as a transfer student. And I was actually dating and living with another guy Ooh. at the time.
0: Another scientist?
2: But I had... No, he was uh, into social work.
0: I was hoping you were going to say MMA fighter.
2: Yeah. No, no, definitely not. But I I met this this guy and uh, he came into the pro- and I was just immediately taken with him. It was the first time I had ever experienced anything like as soon as I like laid my eyes on him, I was like, wow, wow, he's something special.
0: So more lust, more lust and, than anything. There was a lust there.
2: Oh, it was one one hundred percent lust when it first started. Wow. And I, I kinda pushed it pushed it pushed it down. I was like, you know what, you're in a relationship with somebody else. You can't have feeling for another person of this nature. You gotta shut it down. This is not okay. But we became friends and I just like I I, I fell in love with them. You did? I fell head over heels in love with them and I couldn't I couldn't deny that. So you, anymore. Had to, so you
0: had to have a tough conversation.
2: Well, well I'll tell you how this conversation went. We uh, we had a, a date to not one well, it wasn't necessarily a date. I think if we were to look back on it now, it was a date. But we were going to study together for a final. And he came over to my ex's and mine apartment and my my ex was currently away being a camp counselor for a program that mentored children who had experienced <laughs> significant loss
0: so this is a good guy
2: yeah he was he was a pretty good guy this
0: guy trying to do some good in this um, world
2: yeah so he's he's essentially away at camp for kids with you know, a dead parent or two Uh uh trying to mentor them and bring brightness into their life. And, uh, he, this, my current boyfriend came over that night and it was just, it was so obvious. This was the point that I realized I couldn't not pursue it because I felt so strongly about him. And he, he left that evening. Nothing happened at all. There was no dirty business. Okay. I did not do anything.
0: That's good. I was getting nervous. I did nervous.
2: not do anything. I was
0: getting nervous. I did
2: not do anything before I broke up with this other guy.
0: Well, that's good. Because as soon as he Nothing. said he was at a camp for traumatized children, I think
2: all of us <laughs> listening
0: held our breath and said, oh, please, no. Oh, please, no. So I'm glad you did it the right way. No. The difficult way, but the right way.
2: Yeah, he came home that Sunday and, uh, I, I came in because I had been away studying for a chemistry exam. And I said, uh, I don't think that we should be together anymore. And this, I mean, this came really out of left field. I still feel bad about it because like I totally blindsided this guy. He had no idea that our relationship was in like any sort of trouble at all. And, uh, that was, A really really hard thing to
0: do yeah but it was all in the name of love it sounds like this love you have now is very real
2: yeah he's he's pretty great I'm a lot happier and I think that this other guy is probably a lot happier because looking back we weren't really all that compatible
0: yeah now what would you say was a more exciting discovery in your life the true love or the dung fungi
2: Definitely the true love. Really? I am a hopeless romantic. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: I thought you were going to say dung fungi.
2: You're
0: going to say a little mushroom growing in some dung. 10,000 years ago.
2: No, it's, it's the guy.
0: That's nice. It's very nice. Now it's pronounced fungi, huh? I always heard fungi.
2: Oh, uh, either way, potato, potato.
0: fungi fungi potato potato let's call the whole thing off
2: oh gosh man is there what else could we talk about other than apocalyptic climate science
0: I mean that's a pretty big one we got about 17 minutes left it's up to you what you want to do with them you heard about Blossoming love, apocalyptic climate science. got to fix these oceans? You know, I have to say. Yeah. I
2: have. I've always wanted. If I, I told myself that I were. If I were to ever actually get through to you, I would really say thank you and praise how open you are about mental health.
0: Well, thanks. I do my and best. And actually
2: going out. Yeah, going out and pers- and you know getting help when you need it is uh it's it's a really good thing, and uh, I I am currently in therapy.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Good stuff.
2: And it's been a great thing. And I, now that I've actually taken the leap and done it myself, I've been in it since probably I think it was July, July August. Oh, that's awesome! August—that I started. Yeah,
0: nice. Well, wow! So ima- I
2: always told myself that I would. Oh, go ahead.
0: I was going to say I would imagine. I, I would think a lot of people in your line of work probably get into therapy because they're seeing glimpses of a future that's like dystopian and, and terrifying.
2: You would, you know, you would think that that would be why <laughs> I, yeah. I started to go to therapy, but no, um, I actually have really terrible body dysmorphia
0: uh, that sucks
2: that I've been diagnosed with and you know borderline eating disorder sort of habits and uh, yeah. that's what I've started going for and that that god that is a tough battle
0: then let me because I don't know I, I, I know the phrase I know people who have mentioned they have it for anybody who's not familiar correct me if I'm wrong not 100% on this body dysmorphia is the idea that when you look in the mirror, you are perceiving your own body as different than people who encounter you would, you would describe yourself differently than other people would. Is that the the basics? Yeah. So you might look in the mirror and say, uh, you might look in the mirror and say that you're too skinny or too heavy. Whereas anybody else would say, no, you're right on target. What are you talking about? But you really truly believe that there's something that's, extreme about you. That's not there. Yeah. I'm sorry you deal with that. That's really, that's rough stuff. That's not good.
2: Yeah. It's uh it's a, it's, I actually was kind of down spiraling today with that. I couldn't get it out of my brain. And I was texting my boyfriend, you know, complaining about it, saying, this is so frustrating. I'm so happy I have therapy on Friday, blah, 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 But yeah, it's, it's, it, I'm stuck in, I'm constantly stuck in a limbo where I, I have this idea that I'm fine just the way that I am, and I don't need to change anything about myself. I need to love myself for exactly who I am and what I look like in this moment. And then there is this other half of me that is like, you need to be thinner.
0: Yeah. I so you get need it.
2: to look a certain way.
0: I have, yeah. I have days where I look in the mirror and I go, "I, I you know, I turned out, to be a pretty all right looking guy and then there's other days where I look in it and I go I'm a big-headed monster I recently said that to my wife she put a picture of me on Instagram I said oh I'm a big-headed monster in that and she said don't you say that about my husband so don't you ever say that about my husband
2: isn't it incredible how we can say such negative things about ourselves. But if we were, if somebody were to ask us to say those same things to someone else, we wouldn't even dream about it.
0: Oh, never, never. I, I mean, to be fair, I'm also in a line of work where people will sometimes tell me online that I am in fact a big headed monster. So that doesn't help these <laughs> feelings, but I am also prone to them on a personal <laughs> level as well.
2: Okay, well, people who aren't don't aren't so bored and you know, have such dissatisfying lives that they feel yes. they need to get online and attack strangers. Yes, negative-headed people. Yes,
0: <laughs> you have to try to avoid the negative cesspool people who live lives of torment and pain where they can only find any sense of control or uh or or alpha status on the internet. You have to try to cut those people out. Cuz I also know if you met Ninety percent of those people you have met them in real life, they wouldn't say a word to you. If they did, you'd pop them in the no. mouth, and you'd know for a fact it would be the first time they ever took a shot. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you
2: gotta ignore those people.
0: I'm sorry that you deal with that. I'm glad you're getting help. That's very nice. It's funny. Yeah, I'm it's, very ha- uh... You thanked me for being open, and I gotta say, I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy that that certain things I've done. The HBO special in particular have hit people that way. It's funny, since that special, I've actually been a lot less open about it. Interesting thing about that.
2: You mean you've been less open about it personally?
0: Well, I feel like I put everything out there personally, but what happened, which I guess was a little bit anticipated, but sort of theoretically, as you know as a scientist, things are theoretical and you can kind of make assumptions and guesses, but once it becomes real, you don't quite know how it's going to go. I, I I knew theoretically that it was going to open up floodgates of people telling me their own stories, but I had no idea. And it means so much to me. Um, and people reach out all the time. And it really, like it is, the the fact that people have expressed that maybe I did something that allowed them to have some conversations um, that I never felt like I was able to have when I was young. It's It's beautiful and I'm so proud of it, but... I've had to kind of turn off I've kind of had to avoid those conversations. I get a lot of Facebook messages where I will see in the first line or so that that it's about people discussing this stuff and I don't even open the messages because they can see that I open them and I don't want to I don't want to open them and have people see that I opened them and didn't answer them but I know it causes me too much pain to constantly realize how much hurt there is in the world surrounding this stuff. So I feel like I kind of turned on a faucet in a way and uh it it's not my right to turn it off but i also have to protect myself a little bit so i've i've actually kind of crawled into a hole when it comes to the mental health conversations just a lot of people hurting
2: yeah that's 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 right yeah that's why I, it's so much more common than people think
0: Oh, uh, you have no idea you have no idea I've seen it up close and it's people from all walks of life. You have no idea. It's scary stuff.
2: Yeah, and it's it's sad that there's such a stigma around going and getting help.
0: Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. I don't like it. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did.
2: Yeah, I thought it for a long time, I won't lie. I didn't want to do it.
0: Which is so funny. I didn't want to do it. Because as a scientist, <laughs> You know better than anybody that there's a method, and there, there, there's a method towards progress. There's a method towards figuring things out, nailing things down, what's really going on. And I think especially cognitive behavioral therapy is built to kind of embrace that. And even you as a scientist who understands the idea of like you put in works, work, there's science to things, there's methods to things. Even you resisted it, huh?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm still, yeah, I'm a scientist but I'm also very human
0: yeah.
2: and it's scary. And what, what really frightened me was I didn't want some person that I didn't know, like going in with a ninja sword and dissecting my inner yeah, psyche, <laughs> of course. telling me, you know, why I felt this way and what experiences caused me to feel this way about myself. And, You know, and I also had kind of the irrational fear that I would, like, uncover some suppressed memories that I had completely, you know, just pushed down because something traumatic happened to me. Even though I had a pretty good idea that nothing like that ever did happen, that was a really irrational fear that I had about therapy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that you'll churn stuff up that does more harm than good. If only
2: you could... But I have to say that that...
0: If only you could extract your psyche as easily as you can extract a billion-year-old rock core from a lake bed, you'd have it all figured out from the dung fungi of your mind and your heart.
2: I have a feeling that this episode is going to be titled Dung
0: Fungy. <laughs> it might be. Although I'll, I'll tell you something out there, dear listeners. We have found that the downloads really spike if the word sex is in the title. It's really remarkable. If we put like the word sex or swingers in the title, we get like 10,000 more downloads. It's nuts. Dung fungi. Maybe if you could just say one th- if one phrase involving the word sex completely out of context, we'll name it that. Everybody'll listen for fifty two minutes, be like, "What the <laughs> hell was this called uh dildo parade for and then this this part'll <laughs> come up, and they'll say, "Oh, it was a cheap download grab
2: well, I guess uh because I study fossilized pollen and spores, I basically study fossilized plant spluge. You could call it plant (laughs) splooge. We will call it plant splooge. Can we note that?
0: Jared? Oh, I see. Jared's got a pen out. Fossilized plant splooge. You think fossilized plant splooge or just plant splooge? I would just call it plant splooge. Plant splooge. It is. I'm so glad we... Gave you the chance to name it yourself. Have you used the phrase plant splooge before in reference to what you study? Yes. Plant splooge. You effectively study plant splooge, ancient plant splooge. That's what it is, huh? That's what spores are.
2: Yeah, fallen in spores.
0: And then it floats through the air until it finds a receiver, and that's how plants reproduce. Or bees. Bees drop off the splooge.
2: Yeah, that's part of the, something you have to take into consideration in my line of work is modes of pollen transportation and how they're, they get to where they're going. Because there are constraints. It's not a perfect science, but you can get a pretty good idea of what you're going for.
0: Yeah. So when all the bees were dying and everybody said it was a big mystery and it seems like it's turned out to just be, no, nope, pesticides. That must have been pretty frustrating for you, you guys, on the pollen, the pollen studies world?
2: Uh, well, actually I, I don't really think about bees that much. <laughs> I think bees are incredibly important and we should definitely be doing what we can to preserve them because if bees die, we die. You are, um, but
0: so beautifully nerdy and I can't applaud it. Enough. <laughs> Do you wear glasses? Uh, no, can I, I ask? Really Do you, you wear glasses?
2: I wear contact lenses.
0: Oh, I'm thinking about getting LASIK. Okay, here's I'm thinking about getting LASIK, but then I I fe- would love
2: to get LASIK.
0: I feel like my whole image is built around my glasses though. Everybody knows me for my glasses. I can't ever get LASIK.
2: And people will adjust.
0: Yeah, I guess they'll have to. What were you going to What were you going to say?
2: Well, we're talking about how nerdy I am, and I would just like to say that I was a cheerleader for 13 years. Whoa, bucking the That's not something. Yes, that is not something people typically associate with being nerdy. That's awesome.
0: That's a cool dichotomy.
2: Yeah, I was a cool kid. I just grew up to be nerdy. You
0: a cool kid who became a nerd. That's awesome. That's awesome. Gives hope to all the nerdy boys out there, I'm sure. The cheerleaders. <laughs> the cheerleaders are nerds deep down, too and all the, oh, yeah. all the uh, other nerdy people who are attracted to fem identifying uh, people. On Earth, I should say that. I should say that as well. And I mean it. I should say that and I, I do mean it.
2: Yeah, I mean that's an accurate description.
0: We've got about 3 minutes left, my friend. I've enjoyed this call. I've learned a lot. I apologize if any Man, of my has jokes were inappropriate. By
2: oh uh, it's been it's been great. I'm trying to think, is there anything else that I would i used to if I ever get through to Chris, what am I going to say? Is there anything else that falls into that category that I've forgotten?
0: I'm all ears
2: mm-hmm. Now, I will say that I worked for the National Park Service last year during their centennial celebration. Mm-hmm. and absolutely all of your listeners go to your national parks go to your state parks support your parks get out go outside it's really important it's an amazing organization yes, yeah
0: 100% go if parks you don't use them they're going to try to take them away how bad do you want to get a post at volcanoes national park how bad have you thought about that you know about this place
2: oh no, i'm not yeah i'm not much i mean yeah volcanoes is cool cuz it's you know hawaii But But what about all the, uh, there's
0: so much odd and unexpected plant life out there and the volcanoes affected me. Yeah. I went there there on my honeymoon. I went to the Volcanoes National Park on my honeymoon. There's an active erupting volcano there. It's amazing. There's whole stretches of it where like my wife would go on jogs across like these long stretches of plantless black rock. And that was just where lava had solidified. The park ranger made fun of me. Park ranger made fun of me guy in the park ranger outfit, the little shorts and the hat. He makes, he made fun of me (laughs) publicly during a talk. Uh, Talked about, (laughs) talked about my masculinity. It's weird. It's weird.
2: We said the park, they tend to be sassy. When I worked for the parks, I was serving as a paleontologist um, where I was. And it was, I had, people would bring in random bits of, crap that they'd found in their backyards while they were putting in a swimming pool or whatever. And, you know, every single last one of them thinks that they've got a T-Rex skull yeah. <laughs> or something yeah. along those lines. And uh, they, somebody had brought something in and they thought that it was a dinosaur leg bone of whatever, you know, sorts. And I was on my way out of the visitor center and, they they stopped me, the two girls that were working at the They were like, oh, there's our our summer paleontologist. Let's ask her. I took one look at it, and I was like, that's fossilized wood? Paleontologist? Out. And I walked to my car.
0: <laughs> wow, you dropped the mic, paleontologist style. Dropped the yeah, mic. Yeah,
2: that was pretty funny. That's Yeah.
0: See, I had this guy, and I'm making it. People are going to get mad. I'm telling my own story, making it about me guy was telling a story about like Hawaiian culture, how like the uh, natives used to blow this horn to see who the chief was. They said the chief was the alpha male. And then he points at me. He's like, like that guy, real alpha male. And I want in front of my wife on my honeymoon. I wanted to be like, hey, Ranger Rick, fuck off. Like, you don't know who you're messing with, <laughs> but I didn't. I don't want to embarrass my wife. Anyway, I'm so sorry I made it about me yet again. You're the best and I really enjoy yeah, you.
2: I love to hear your stories. And I love to listen to your stories. I listen to your podcast. I mean, Beautiful Anonymous is the highlight of my Tuesday.
0: That's so nice. And I loved your stories. You were so kind and informative and funny. And I thank you.
2: <laughs> well, thank you for being you. Good people keep being good people.
0: Caller, thank you so much. Thanks for all the information, thanks for all the anecdotes. Thanks for all the kind words. I really enjoyed my talk with you. Thank you so much. Also, thanks to Jared O'Connell, Harry Nelson in the booth this week, hanging out, helping me keep track of all this stuff. Thanks to the Reverend John Delore and Greta Cohn for building the show in the early days. Thank you to Shell Shag for the music. on want to know about me, including my dates on the road, chriskeff.com. If you like the show, go to Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. It really does help so much more than you know. Thanks so much. And I'm glad you support this thing. Three, two, three. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, a guy who got hit really hard in the head tells us what that was like. Now, how are you? Uh, I'm I'm get, I'm doing I'm getting there I'm doing all right. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mean, getting there. What's that mean?
1: Well, uh, I have spent the better part of uh, I think five months now in bed. Whoa. <laughs> yeah.
0: Why? What's going on?
1: I uh, I had a head injury. Uh, I remember specifically June nineteenth. June 19th, Uh, 2017.
0: Head injury, what happened? That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. I'm here with my co host, Frank Santo Padre. Please welcome to the show, Norman Lear, <laughs> who happened to make it also to Gilbert Gottfried and his podcast. Ira Klaas. Very happy to be here.
2: This is Joyce Van Patten.
0: Hi, this is Frank Conniff. Hi, I'm Dee Wallace. Hi, this is Tom Bergeron. Hey, everybody, this is Tommy James. Hey, I'm Clint Howard. Hi there, I'm Jackie the Joke Man Marley. Hi, I'm Bobcat Goldthwait. I don't do that voice anymore. Well, I guess if you gave me money. You're listening to Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing
2: Colossal Podcast. What an introduction. It gave me shit chills. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, damn, damn. (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) Joyce. Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast, available on iTunes, Earwolf, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts can be heard. New episodes every Monday, with bonus episodes on Stitcher Premium every Thursday. Go to gilbertpodcast.com for more info.
1: This has been an Earwolf production. Executive
0: produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit earwolf.com.